What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Blog Talk Radio. Feeling a little down and tired. Just watch. Just listen to some Mike. Just Dick to press conferences. Uh, he, he always got me pumped up. But anyway, this is the Dynasty Pulse podcast. I am Joshua Johnson. With me always is Nick. Hail to the Redskins, Wagner. Nick, what is up, my friend? Oh, not much, Josh. Just trying to wrap my head around all these free agent signings. It's been a, quite the last, uh, quite a twenty-four hour period. How are you doing today? Yes, and it seems like the trades were just trying to overtake all the signings. And uh, here we are. Of course, the trade happened last week that we should probably touch on right right, right away just because I want to make sure that we're all in – have our thoughts laid out here for the the dynasty value of uh, Brandon Marshall to the Jets. We're going to get to the rest of the craziness yesterday later, but uh, um, we're going to start with that, but I do want to remind everybody we have a hell of a show coming up here as we cover the NFC South. We're going to uh, draft hopeful Isaiah Fleming, who is the all-time leading tackler in college football history, is going to join us. Uh, if you haven't watched film on this guy, you need to, because he is ridiculous. So we're talking about the best number 11 ever in the NFL. Of course, do some dynasty trade analysis. Look at you all caught up on all the uh, the free agents and whatnot. Cat uh, Lash Williams is going to stop by from NFL Female to talk about the Saints. We'll talk about Sam Bradford and Nick Foles, two guys who were on one of my dynasty teams. A uh, lot to figure out there with, for me. Uh, 
Uh, we're talk about the Falcons with Aaron Freeman of Felkfans.com. A dynasty dilemma where you put Devontae Freeman versus Charles Sims. We'll also talk about the Bucks. Nick's going to rant. We're going to get to some questions from you from the forum, and then we'll talk about the Panthers. And then probably do a little more tra- dynasty trade analysis. Um, but, uh, Nick, so bear in mind, I do have one dynasty team with Brandon Marshall, Percy Harvin, Jason Morrow, and Eric Tecker. Uh, obviously, <laughs> Harvin's probably not going to be there anymore, but uh, these Jets need a quarterback before we can really talk about that. But what are your thoughts here on Brandon Marshall to the Jets? Well, last year, Brandon Marshall caught 61 passes for 721 yards and eight touchdowns, but he did play hurt all year. Uh, He's going to be 31. Uh, He's played with Jay Cutler a lot of his career and had a really good rapport with Cutler. Uh, You look at Eric Decker, the guy who went from Denver to the Jets. He fell from uh, 87 catches, 1,288 yards, and 11 touchdowns uh, with Denver to 74 catches, 960 yards, and five scores with the Jets. And in Marshall's last healthy season, 2013, he also caught a 12 100 yards and 12 touchdowns, very similar to Eric Decker's 2013. So I, see you could, I think you could probably see a similar slide in production, just under 1,000 yards or so. Uh, Chan Gailey is an upgraded offensive coordinator there with the Jets over Marty Morningwig, but I think Brandon Marshall's still likely under 1,000 yards, just like Decker. Um, plus the fact that Decker and Marshall and Jay Samaro are all big targets, they could possibly uh, steal touchdowns from each other in the red zone because none of those guys are going to be a liability there. Very good points there. Um, Isaiah's going to be joining us here in just a couple minutes. But, uh, you know, one one thing I do want to say about this whole situation is, you know, people people want to go back and fall on the fact that Brandon Marshall has been kind of a clubhouse cancer from the first couple teams he's been with. And, you know, he's actually went out and sunk professional help, and I think he is better. And I don't think there's any personality or behind-the-scenes problems, at least reported, in Chicago. So if everybody, everybody can drop that while he was outside of town, the Bears are obviously just trying to save some coin here because they're paying Jake Cutler a lot of money, and they weren't able to move him, so they needed to do something. Um, I think Alshon Jeffrey should certainly get a bump there in Chicago. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'll see who the quarterback is. There's all kinds of rumors now that Jimmy Graham has been traded that Drew Brees might be on his way out. Uh, you know, all the teams that need a quarterback might might want to consider that. Jet uh, Drew Brees goes there, we could have a completely different ball game. But uh, as as for right now, yeah, like Nick said, Brandon Marshall is aging. He's he's been playing hurt over the last couple seasons, so we'll see we'll see how that that works out there. But uh, yeah, I kind of agree with you there, Nick. Probably probably under the thousand yard thing is probably a pretty pretty good bet, especially with. Uh, so to speak, a lot of mouth to feed and in the red zone and whatnot. Um, I think actually the guy that gets the biggest bump from this is Decker. I think Decker could maybe stand to have a better year than he had last year. And if anybody on that team is going to get 1,000 yards, I think it could potentially be Decker because he seemed to been, seemed to be that, that kind of deep threat player to where he could, you know, he might, might not catch as many balls, but his uh, yards per catch might actually – get a little bit of a bump there. So, uh, like I said, Isaiah will be joining us very, very shortly here. A um, uh, lot, lot to get to as we cover the NFC South today. Um, but uh, certainly uh, certainly plenty going on. Uh, did you Were you as blindsided as me, Nick, by the whole Jimmy Graham trade? I had seen a report earlier in the day that 
That was maybe a thought, but that was really all it was. And I can't believe he ended up in Seattle. Thoughts there, Nick? Yeah, that is just an incredible trade. I, I think his value definitely takes a hit, but if I were a Russell Wilson dynasty owner, I'd be doing cartwheels right now. His value <laughs> just skyrocketed, I, I believe. Yeah, somehow Russell Wilson gets an uptick in value while Jimmy Graham, certainly dynasty value, takes a little bit, little bit of a drag, but uh, they, uh, they certainly got themselves a, a nice option. And, uh, you know, they like to... Something they they haven't had is is somebody that can really out finesse people on a regular basis in kind of that that short game. You know, Jimmy can obviously get, go down the field and get some jump balls too, but uh, that's gonna that's gonna open things up. You know, they they still said yesterday that uh, we listened on the radio to this. Me and my son, I, they they still said uh, Marshawn Lynch is the number one option and. And my my wonderful eleven year old NFL fan says, "Well, why? That's they say that, but why didn't they give him the why didn't they give him the ball on the goal line in the Super Bowl?" Uh, so Henry is all all over that. But uh, oh, speaking of that, I just uh, we should clock at five. Pass and intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Unreal. Oh, I had that. I had that loaded, and I needed a reason to play it. I just thought that was no other better reason to play it. Uh, like I said, Isaiah will be joining us very shortly here. Why don't, why don't we just go on to uh, best number eleven in NFL history? Nick, what do you got for us? Well, I'm going to start out with a fun fact. Uh, you know, Josh, you and I obviously didn't know each other as children, but we're close to the same age. So I think you probably remember Dallas quarterback Danny White started most of their games from 1980 to 1987. But from 1976 yeah. to 1982, he and then again in 1984, he was also the full-time punter. I didn't realize that there had been a double <laughs> Uh, quarterback like that in our lifetimes. Not a Hall of Famer, obviously, but kind of cool. I didn't know that before. I was researching recently. Uh, next up, if you look up classy in the dictionary, Larry Fitzgerald's picture should be right there. Eight-time Pro Bowler, uh, 900 catches, 12,000 yards, 89 touchdowns, and counting. And, you know, while we're on receivers, in a few years, Julio Jones will probably make this list, too. Uh, moving on to kicker, Sebastian Janikowski. You know, 48 of 87 from 50 yards or farther out. Great kicker. Anybody else got a first-round pick from 2000 that was still with the team in 2014? I doubt it. Uh, a lot of people mocked that <laughs> pick at the time, including me. But, you know, it was actually a pretty nice call by Al Davis there. Um, now, getting back to actual players, uh, some quarterbacks, two Super Bowl MVPs, uh, Mark Rippon, and then the worst announcer ever, Phil Sims. And also Alex Smith and three-time Pro Bowler Dante Culpepper were pretty decent, too, in their time. Uh, but for the number one of all time, uh, my vote's got to go to Drew Blood. So four-time Pro Bowler. He's maybe best known now for being the guy that Tom Brady replaced, but he was the prototype for a pocket passer. He led the league in passing attempts in his second, third, and fourth seasons, including 691 attempts in 1994, his second year. That still ranks second all-time, only bested by Matt Stafford. Uh, he never did win a Super Bowl. But for over a decade and with three different teams, he had success. 44,000 yards, 251 touchdowns. Drew Bledsoe is the best number 11 of all time. Uh, Norm Van Brocklin, I want to mention him. He is one of the Hall of Famers that wore number 11. Uh, longtime Los Angeles Ram and played a couple of years for Philadelphia Eagles as well. He is a, uh, is a Hall of Famer and was Coincidentally, uh, uh, an All-American for your Oregon Ducks in 1948 there, Nick. Um, 
Drew Bledsoe's good. I and I, but I, right now, I think I would give it give it to Larry Fitzgerald just because he's kind of been that that model of consistency. I know there's been a little bit of a taper off the last couple of years, uh, but that but that being said, I I can't really give it. I can't really see like you said in uh, three years time or, you know, maybe potentially longer that we don't give it to Julio Jones. I know Julio's had some injuries the last couple of years, but he is just an unbelievable player, such a such a guy that they've always counted on since he's come in the league. I think a lot of people questioned that pick when I think pretty sure Atlanta moved up to get him. But, yeah, he's just been, uh, been a beast. And, uh, yeah, I just – I. Got all the respect in the world for Julio because he just he just makes it happen. I mean, it seems like Matt Ryan would not be in the league anymore if it wasn't for uh, Julio Jones. No, no disrespect to Matt Ryan. He's he's a good player, but Julio just makes anybody look good. So I think it's I think it's got to got to go to Julio there. So, um, well, I, I don't know if we're gonna have anybody to talk about next week, Nick, when we do best number twelve. I don't think there's anybody ever. Super Bowl MVPs, maybe I don't know. We'll uh, we'll get to that next week, though. Um, Gus Gus Farrat, right? Oh yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, oh, so many images come to mind when you say that. Uh, but anyway, uh, let's get to some dynasty trade analysis. Um, now these these are, these are all ones that we have seen in the our DFW forty eight and uh, thirty six, and you can if you want to us to an analyze the trade just uh certainly certainly send it to us or send it to somebody at dfw and we will we will get it on the air um somebody gave up randall cobb and a 2016 third round pick for uh russell wilson meanwhile i remind you everybody that this was a couple of days ago they got russell wilson and uh 2016 round two picks probably actually over the weekend before russell wilson has gotten Jimmy Graham. Uh, so what are you thinking? Nick? Cobb for Wilson, essentially flipping a, a a third for a second as well. Any thoughts there? Well, and not only was this trade uh, made before the Jimmy Graham acquisition, but I believe that this trade was actually made before Randall Cobb re-signed with Green Bay. So it's pretty risky on both sides, I think. Uh, you know, now that Cobb did re-sign with Green Bay, I think as long as he stays healthy, you can expect him to get the 1,200 yards every year and maybe double-digit touchdowns. So I think it's a very even trade. Both teams probably filled uh, filled needs on their roster. And, yeah, definitely a good job by each side. Yeah, obviously it depends on the situation. That's not being able to see the rest of the rosters. A lot of it, a lot of it depends on that. But uh, uh, the guy that did give up Cobb also, you know, got a, got an extra pick around earlier too. So that's, I think, like I said, it is a pretty fair trade. Like you said there, Nick. Um, you, you wonder, you know, we've we've talked about Russell Wilson and his ceiling. It's probably not yet to be reached. Um, I think we've probably seen it for Cobb. I know he's still so young, but I don't think you're going to – he's not the type of player, especially with Jordy Nelson and that's on the same field with him. He's not the type of player that's going to go out and lead the league in receiving yards. Obviously, he, he, he does great things, and he's going to get his 1K, maybe even 1,200 every year if he stays healthy. But I, I just I think we've probably seen what we were going to see out of him, and we're not going to see even better. Wilson – Obviously, with the addition of Jimmy Graham, we, we would maybe expect, you know, half a dozen or more touchdown passes every year now, as long as they keep him there. I'll still be interested to see what they do in, in the draft. Um, 
you know, and one thing, obviously I'm going off subject here, but one thing kind of caught me off the prize is that they traded probably the best offensive lineman they had on this team. Um, and they they needed this guy last year. He only started six games during the regular season. When he wasn't in the lineup, they really struggled. He was kind of the, the glue of this offensive line, and they didn't have a lot of other guys that played every all 16 on this line. I don't think they had anybody actually that played all 16 on this line, maybe one person. But uh, uh, that, that'll that be interesting to see how that goes. I mean, it looks like they, uh, you know, they got, they got a nice elite, talent you know in terms of skill position but they still need a they still needed offensive line help and they just traded one so maybe they'll be going after another Oregon duck and uh Hieronis grass who listen, listen to me talk about all, all these Oregon ducks nick am i chip kelly what's going on here uh, but anyway <laughs> close close trade there uh another one here branded marshall and a 2015 2.43 pick for martavius bryant so any any thoughts there, Nick? Well, you look at Martavius Bryant's rookie year, only got 26 passes, but 549 yards and eight touchdowns. That's uh, 21 yards per reception. And he didn't really play until halfway through the season. He's got huge upside. I, I love the side that disposed of Brandon Marshall, got a lot younger at wide receiver, with, again, with a big upside. And at that late in the second, might as well be a third-round pick. You never really know who's going to be there. So I, I definitely love the side that acquired Martavius Bryant. And I'm pretty sure that this trade happened prior to Marshall getting traded to the Jets. So, yeah, I, I really like the Martavius Bryant side too. You know, you're not with that with that pick in the in the second round. You're not getting in a rookie draft. You're not getting Martavius Bryant. You're not getting a guy that's had his experience. You're not getting a guy that's already already scored eight touchdowns. That's been able to out finesse NFL style uh, DBs in the end zone. I mean, if if you if you can find a loop of all of his touchdowns this year, there's about three of them where it's it's he, there's probably you know a handful of receivers in the in the league that make that catch, and they they probably at least are six three or six four. So uh, I love Bryant. I've loved him ever since he broke, and uh, and I think he's going to be a good player. Lance Moore, obviously out of town. Antonio Brown on the other side. Yeah, Bryant, Bryant could have a one heck of a year. They could potentially have 2,000-yard receivers there if if they choose to go that route. But if anything, you're gonna, you know that eight touchdowns probably going to be the norm, I think, for Martavius Bryant, you know, not going to wood that he stays healthy. So um, moving on, we got uh, the last trade here, Kiko Alonso. This is after that, that trade last week for uh, – Terrence West and the 2016 second round pick. Any thoughts there, Nick? Well, you know, there's so much uncertainty right now around Kiko Alonso, new team uh, coming back from an injury. He's playing in a 3-4 defense now for the first time. So him and uh, fellow middle linebacker Michael Kendricks could conceivably split tackles there. So I like the West acquisition as much as we both like Kiko Alonso. Uh, You look at West last year, 171 carries for 673 yards and four scores, 3.9 yards per carry. He only had 100-yard game, and that was week one. Uh, Wasn't elite, and he's going to have to fight off uh, crawl for carries next year, but uh, I mean, what they got Josh McCown at quarterback and no Josh Gordon, no tight end, so Cleveland's going to have to run the ball a lot this year. I, I, I like the West acquisition. Yeah, yeah. Um, like you, like you said, Cleveland is going to have to run the ball. Coincidentally, I traded for uh, 
just threw a fourth round pick for Taylor Gabriel in uh in DFW thirty six. Then of course they signed Brian Hartline. Not that I thought Gabriel was gonna be the team leading receiver, but he did get five hundred yards as a rookie. Um, and I think he's potentially going to be a, a good player. I like him a lot better than uh, than Travis Benjamin because he's just proven that he can stay stay in the lineup here. But uh, you know, and he's a young guy. Who knows what this guy could develop into? I don't think uh, Josh Gordon has got much of a future in Cleveland even after that. I mean, I could be wrong, but uh, I guess we'll, I guess we'll see when that happens. But uh, uh, back to this trade, you know, there's. If you if you've been doing any mocks like we have on uh, myfantasyleague.com on the MLF there, Isaiah Crowell is rated way higher than Terrence West, which kind of caught me by surprise. I thought that they they should be you know maybe right kind of in the same area, kind of like Pierre Thomas and Mark Ingram were going into last year. But uh, so there's a general consensus that they think uh, Crowell is going to be the man there. But uh, like like Nick said, they're gonna they're gonna have to use both of these guys. I, I maybe see Crowell falling into the, the short yardage, maybe goal line guy, which is obviously nice that he's going to score touchdowns for Cleveland. But uh, I think Terrence West could potentially win win this job over, and I'm not saying that because I am Dynasty owner, which I am. But uh, I think he has got a lot of, a lot of good upside there. Uh, Nick, uh, could I maybe get your quick thoughts here on another guy that uh, was on a Dynasty team that I inherited? Um, what do you think about Lorenzo Telefero? Uh He's He's, you know, four sets of free agent. Bernard Pierce is still there. But uh, Telefero showed some decent things here and there. What, what do you think about him moving forward? Yeah, Telefero did uh, definitely show some flashes last year. And uh, his value all hinges on what happens with Forsett. If Forsett leaves town, then Telefero gets a huge bump because he's pretty much the de facto starter there in Baltimore. Um, you know, obviously we have to wait and see if they draft anybody, but I, I think they could uh, feel fairly confident with Tal Farrow as their starter heading into 2015. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of uh, Todd Gurley. We've talked about that earlier. A lot of Todd Gurley rumors to uh, to Baltimore. Obviously, Melvin Gordon could still be in that territory, too, but uh they obviously have some other needs too. They've cut a few players. Torrey Smith's gone. They could use a receiver. Uh, seems like everybody in the league could use at least one offensive lineman. They could too. They they were vastly improved last year, but you can always you can always get more solid up front there. So um, moving on, Nick, let's let's just uh, let's dive into the uh, your thoughts here on the last twenty four hours. Any. Anything just grab you right away? Um, I I gotta say I'm happy as uh, as a blank and blank um, <laughs> with uh, Curtis Lofting ended up in Oakland, absolute tackling beast. And this cat comes on here to talk about the Saints here in about eight minutes. Uh, I think three of the four questions I sent her are kind of uh, null and void now. We're gonna have to change them so much because the players that we talked about have been uh, moved to other places, but. Uh, Lofton was released the day before on Monday, and you know him and his 150 tackles are now going to be in the middle. Middle with Oakland and Khalil Mack and Sile Moore on the other side. Oh, and they also got former Super Bowl MVP Malcolm Smith and Dan Williams up front. I'm not a huge Dan Williams fan, but if he's going to plug the gap, he's going to plug the gap. And we got some linebackers to run him down. So that's. That's my happy, happy thing. Oh, and the Raiders also got uh, former Washington Redskins Roy Halou. So if we have a little Halou, Latavius Murray uh, rotation, I, I like that. I like what Halou does in the passing game. But anyway, 
thoughts on maybe teams other than your own since I just took over? <laughs> uh, well, start off with Jeremy Macklin going to Kansas City. That just destroys his dynasty value. I uh, feel bad for any owners of him. Um, uh, Brian Hartline, he's kind of a mediocre wide receiver. You mentioned him going to Cleveland. It does help his value probably a little bit just because his role in Miami was very diminished towards the end of the year. But, uh, again, he's likely to be catching passes from uh, Jock Josh McCown and and uh, Johnny Manziel, so not a lot of upside there, but his value did go up slightly. Uh, Julius Thomas going to Jacksonville, that hurts his value big time, but on the flip side, he should provide a nice safety valve for uh, quarterback Blake Bortles, so I think Bortles' value gets a nice little uptick. And uh, another tight end, Owen Daniels, going to Denver, reunites with Gary Kubiak, the coach there, uh, definitely gets a, a huge bump for him and uh, well maybe not dynasty as much but uh, definitely for this year uh, catching passes from Peyton Manning should uh, should get a big uptick in, in targets and touchdowns yeah if you need a if you need a tight end if you think your dynasty team is really on the fringe this year throw a throw a maybe well you could have done it a couple of days ago <laughs> throwing a late round <laughs> pick for somebody but uh, yeah I think I don't know if anybody's going to be getting rid of Owen Daniels and Dynasties. If they have him and they got this now, they're probably going to going to ride him out there. Um, you know, you bring up Julius Thomas, and I, you have a great point about uh, Boyle's getting a nice, a nice, uh, a nice bump from that. But sick of sick of the receiving core, the rookie receivers with Allen Robinson, Marquise Lee, and Allen Hearns to have a a tight end that they can depend on in the middle of the field with those guys doing damage around him. I mean, that that's – that. I know Julius Thomas isn't the youngest player anymore, but they, they hopefully have a bright future there. I, I like all those receivers down there in Jacksonville. Obviously, I'm not huge on Bortles, but uh, they certainly have options there. And, uh, you know, them, Jacksonville's also been linked to DeMarco Murray. That would be quite the uh, – quite the – coup there if they were able to bring him in. Uh, so we'll have my Oakland Raiders. Philly's also been in the conversation, but there's no way I don't think Philly can actually afford DeMarco. They, I think what we saw them offer Frank Gore was probably the top of the line. And that, that move didn't even make sense to me. But uh, Andrew Lux finally got himself a running back there in Indianapolis. So uh, that could be good. Uh, Andre Johnson's also been rumored to be on his way to Indy. That's not nothing official, just putting that out there. And that kind of, I mean, obviously nobody's going to say no to Andre Johnson, but Nick, don't you think they have, if they have money, they could, and they already have Duran Carter, they already have T.Y., they already got Moncrief. Don't you think that the money that they're going to pay Andre, and I know he's not going to demand a lot because he just wants to win, but don't you think that money could maybe be spent elsewhere? This team has a lot of free agents, a lot of free agents on the other side of the ball. I know they brought in a few guys yesterday, too, but what, what, what are your thoughts on Andre Johnson to the Colts? Well, it wouldn't surprise me if Andre Johnson accepted less money with the Colts uh, than he would elsewhere just because he wants to win a championship getting towards the end of his career, plus the fact that he and Frank Gore were teammates at the University of Miami might have a little little something to do with it. Uh, I, I do understand, though, why the Colts would be going after him. They're losing Reggie Wayne. I believe Hakeem Nick is also a free agent. So they're down a couple of receivers. It makes sense for them to bring in somebody like that. And uh, one other point, you mentioned Philly being linked to uh, DeMarco Murray. They did sign Ryan Matthews today, so I doubt that they would go out and sign Murray on top of that. Yes. Um, Fitzpatrick to the Jets. 
uh, Brian Hoyer and Ryan Mallett back to uh, Fitzpatrick to the Jets. Yeah, so Ryan Mallett and Hoyer to the Texans. It will be an interesting battle there. Uh, Jackson's news coming off the wire right now that Jacksonville unlikely to land DeMarco. So does that mean Oakland and Dallas are left? Uh, kind of some surprise uh, retirements. Cortland Finnegan announced his retirement. Uh, also, uh, excuse me, Jason Worlids in, uh, in Pittsburgh. That was kind of a surprise. Jake Locker, another another surprise. Now, before this, uh, before that announcement yesterday, obviously, I was going to uh, put, uh, and obviously before a lot of things happened yesterday, I was going to put Locker as a possible tutor there in Philadelphia. You know, there's there's a lot of thoughts that Chip Kelly wants a, a mobile quarterback. Now, I know Locker's never been healthy, but uh, he's certainly been able to rush the football during his time in the NFL and in college, so I thought that might be a decent uh, decent fit there, but obviously he doesn't think he can physically do it anymore, so... Uh, Patrick Willis is another one that I uh, decided to hang him up. So, yippee, says all the Chris Borland Dynasty IPA nerds. <laughs> um, <laughs> Kat should be joining us here in a, in a few. But, uh, yeah, so any any other any other thoughts on the, the wild and woolly day there yesterday, Nick? Um, well, I don't think we mentioned Torrey Smith going to San Francisco yet. Uh, he, you know, he definitely gets a downgrade at quarterback, but now he's the wide receiver one there, so he should see more targets than he got in Baltimore. And Baltimore also lost uh, Jacoby Jones to San Diego. He could possibly see more work, but, you know, we we kind of thought that would happen when he moved from Houston to Baltimore, and still he remained mostly a special teams guy, so who knows what will happen there. And uh, also Harry Douglas moved from Atlanta to Tennessee. So Tennessee's now got a nice trio of wide receivers with Kendall Wright, Justin Hunter, and Harry Douglas. I like that move for Harry Douglas. Jeez, uh, my dynasty cuts are going to be so much harder than I thought they were going to be. I should have I should have, I should have decided a while ago. Cause now Bradford seemed like a no-brainer. I didn't want to cut Douglas, but I'm just, well, maybe, you know, and uh, Kenny Brick doesn't have a job yet. Um, another trade involving St. Louis. They traded a seventh-round pick for Case Keenum, just as kind of a, a Nick Foles uh, safety safety blanket there. Um, that'll be interesting. Uh, see what happens there. But uh, uh, yeah, not not I guess not a whole lot. I mean, there was so much. We're obviously going to talk. We set aside a little bit of time later to talk about Foles and Bradford. So we're gonna. We're going to break that down. I don't know if I'm quite ready for that yet. But uh, Kat should be joining us here momentarily, and I think that's her right there. One second. Kat, are you there? Yes, this is May. H- how are you doing today? I'm good. Beautiful day in sunny South Florida. Lots to talk about sports-wise. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah, there's a couple moves in the NFL yesterday. Um, we were joking just before you got on, Kat. I think three of the four questions involved uh, – Players that are no longer on your team, so we're gonna we're gonna kind of just go with the flow and rework it as we go. Um, or not, well, I guess we're not no longer on a team. One of them, one of them, you resign Marker. You've got to be pretty happy about that. But uh, uh, it's Cat Lash Williams from NFL Female. She is the Saints reporter, and uh, she's doing a heck of a job over there. Had a had a handful of NFL females on this guest, and uh, we we always appreciate you guys coming on because. Uh, you bring it and you know your stuff. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Um, uh, well, the first one, Mark Ingram, uh, appears to probably be the uh, 
the threat to be your top rusher right now. But uh, if, any thoughts there on who's left in the backfield? I know Candidate is gone. Pierre Thomas is gone. What what else is going to happen there with the rest of these guys there in the backfield there? I mean, it's a tricky situation. We saw that uh, when I saw we were at least Mar- uh, Pierre Thomas, I'm sorry, not Mark Ingram, um, I thought to myself, well, I guess that's a sign they're really going to pursue this uh, this Mark Ingram co- contract. But honestly, I really don't know what we depth-wise. It's kind of kind of a tricky one, to be honest, for the same. We pretty much now just have Mark Ingram as a threat, if you if you ask me personally, um, we'll see what happens with Cadet. As far as I like, we're, you know, we decided not to, so he's a free agent. Uh, that's honestly, I think we're a little bit screwed in, in regards to that because Mark Ingram has been injury prone, and while I think he's a great running back, we're going to have to pick up somebody else in free agency or possibly in the draft. Uh, yeah, there's plenty of running backs in the draft, and you don't have to do it in the first round either. So there's there's certainly uh certainly some thoughts um have you recovered from the jimmy graham (laughs) (laughs) well i will say the news is broken to me by getting a tweet from sonia saying what and all from nfl female and i was like oh no what happened logged on to twitter and then no i mean you know what the more yesterday i was in shock pretty much the entire day uh i i didn't the more I think about it, the more I have to say I've come to terms with it. Last year, last season, he really didn't produce. I think there were two games, uh, the Lions, and I'm blanking on the second one where he was held no catches. Uh, there were some nope. issues of, you know, locker room drama uh, with uh, Jimmy Graham and Drew Brees. I don't know how substantiated those are, but apparently there was some tension there. It got a little ugly with the with the holdout on the contract, and Unfortunately, he didn't make up for the, the ugliness with the contract in the season. So, while he's a great player, he's a great guy, and he's very much been an asset. We were weak at center, and I think we kind of got a deal with uh, with Unger there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Unger's Unger is a quality player, most definitely. Nick, any questions there for Cat? Uh, yeah. Now that Jimmy Graham is gone, I was wondering, do you think that Kenny Stills might be uh, more consistent now going into year three? Last year he had 931 yards, but only posted two 100-yard games and had six games under 40 yards. Do you see his stats maybe getting a, a, a slight increase there? I think it's going to happen. We're going to have to see an increase there, and I think obviously now Jimmy Graham was one of Drew Brees' absolute favorite targets, and now that's going to open up the field, and I think Stills is really going to have to fill that hole, and I think he has a lot of potential, but you know, wasn't actually utilized. And you kind of see the whole roster being blown up a little bit to make room for some of these guys that didn't produce as much as they should have. Uh, I, I really don't want to say this, Cap, but is, is there any truth to this Drew Brees trading block rumors? I have been absolutely Googling pretty much incessantly about this. I I don't know. You know what? I'm also I look. I wouldn't be shocked, quite frankly. I think as horrible as that sounds, with the way it looks like Loomis is pretty much taking the roster, throwing a grenade at it, and saying we're going into a rebuilding year. You know, Breeze is old. He's he's not willing to take a salary cut for the team, and he he didn't have a great season last year. Yeah, it's uh, certainly been an interesting 24 hours, especially. 
even the even the day before with uh, you guys cutting the cutting Curtis Loft, and that was kind of a kind of a surprise to me. But uh, uh, yeah, been interesting interesting uh, 24, 48 hours there. Uh, what's uh, so obviously uh, sorry with with Jimmy Graham gone, does that make uh, Brandon Brandon Cooks the, the number one option here in this passing offense, and can he be that number one option? You know what I. I don't. I don't know. I wasn't as impressed with him as as I could have been. I think you know he's going to be going in to. Um, I don't. You know what? It's a tough call. I don't know with Brandon Cook. I think luckily we have Colston, who, when he's good, he's good. You know, and he. I think we're going to see him now that he took that salary cut. I'm hoping we see more out of him. Actually, Colston become the player that we were used to seeing a little bit more. And I think him and Drew Brees have a really good connection there. I think, what are they, number seven of uh, seventh overall of, of touchdowns, those two. Um, and Brandon Cooks is heading into his sophomore season, which tends to be, it can be a little bit of a rut for players. So I got to go with, I got to with Colston being the number one option. Okay. Nick, Nick any thoughts or questions there? Uh, I want to get back. He, he didn't play a whole lot, but Kerry Robinson impressed me when he did get in there. Averaged 4.8 yards per carry on only 76 touches. Do you think they'd be comfortable with him going into the season as the backup running back, or or do you think they need to add a number two as opposed to a number three back? You know what I like about Robinson is he has that ability that uh, Mark Ingram isn't as great at it. He's a lot faster. He can cut a little bit better, but Robinson has that ability to really just kind of pummel through and push for those extra yards. Uh, so you're not going to see too much flashiness out of him. But I think he does have that ability to be number two on those, you know, second and three, third and three situations where you just have to get it to a running back to punch through for the first down. I think that's where you have him, and I think that's where you put him at number two. Yeah, maybe kind of that short yardage kind of gut goal line player. Now, um, this is going to be a little off the map here, but this is somebody that I really – really fell in love with last year prior to the draft after watching a lot of film on him. And that's uh, uh, Stanley John Baptiste. Is what, what are the Saints' plans with him there? You know what? That was, when I saw that question, that was one of the big ones that I was kind of like, what are we planning with him? And uh, Mickey Loomis just came out. Obviously, he had a lot to say. And he has a lot of support for him. He says, you know what? He's going to be one of those players that's going to take time to develop. And you know what? Loomis and Peyton are rarely wrong about those about those kind of sleeper hits. And I think you can see that if the team gives them that time to develop, we are really going to see him see him pick up. And they're obviously are going to have it's a position where the week is at. So I think you know what? He could be a sleeper in his, in his second year. And I don't know. I think I think we're going to see something good out of him. I like the I kind when he was on the field. I liked his energy, and I think he'll be good for the team. Yeah, you know, he's 6'3", 218, kind of that new breed of big cornerbacks, you know, like the Richard Sherman mold. Um, there's exactly. some, some talk some talk when he came into the league that he might be tried at safety and there's obviously they obviously could use some secondary help. So I think he can he could probably fill in at both of those positions. Um, you know, you have to be pretty pretty agile and pretty quick to play a corner in this league. And, you know, if that, if that height and weight is, is not going to work for him, if he, if he could be a, a safety, a kind of a stay home guy in the back end there, 
I think he could certainly do that for them. But I, I just I just like the size and I like I like the fact that he can play all around there. So hopefully we can see some good things there. Um maybe a little IDP thoughts here now that Curtis Lofton is gone. I'm sorry to keep talking about these players that are gone and I even <laughs> asked you about asked you about Drew Brees and he's still there, but uh is there who's gonna make a hundred tackles on this team this year if with with Lofton out the door? You know what? I saw that question when you emailed it to me. I immediately pulled up our roster from uh, 2014, and I, I looked through it, and I was like, Whew, I don't – I, you know, I don't think we have that guy right now. Not, I don't think there is a uh, – you know, Ramon Humber had, I think, 38 solo tackles and 12 assists. That's not going to get you to 100. I, I I don't think David Hawthorne had anywhere near there either. I I don't think that guy's on the team if we have a hundred plus tackle. I'm going to be honest with you. Right now, that's that's just not happening for us this season. Well, lost in 145 in the middle of there last year. Not not a not a sack guy, no sacks, but uh, certainly certainly a great player that made made a lot of difference on this defense. And you got you have some guys that can rush the quarterback there in Junior Gallette and Jordan. Uh, excuse me, Cameron Jordan, not Jordan Cameron, Cameron Jordan. Um, but uh, yeah, that's uh, maybe maybe the Saints. You know, they got that first uh, extra first pick now. Maybe they maybe they try a, a tight end slash middle linebacker. You know, with those first two picks. Um, a guy that I really like is is uh, Paul Dawson. I think he could potentially be a nice inside linebacker and play the, play the middle too if needed him to. The guy out of TCU, he could run for days. Um, but uh, yeah, certainly. Uh, Certainly an, an issue there that they're going to have to fill. Um, so I guess I'll we'll figure that right into uh, draft and free agency thoughts. Uh, you got those two first round picks now. Uh, what, uh, what, what, do you, what do you think they could do with those? And uh, any other thoughts here on the free agency period moving forward? I think, well, you know what? I have to say, we got in that trade. I know a lot of people are still saying, you know, what, what were the same thinking? You don't get rid of Jimmy Graham, but you know what? We needed a center. And we needed draft picks, honestly, and we needed top draft picks. So having two first-round picks for me, I think we'd go cornerback, um, possibly I, in the first round. And then I got to say, any, I think our two first-round picks got to go defense. I would say linebacker and I'd say cornerback. And then I would say, you know, though that has to be my, my personal preference. I am sorry, I'm super blanking on a name of the player I'm obsessed with. I'm trying to pull up my, my notes. I talked about him on uh, the Zone Blitz. And uh, then I think we should go cornerback. But then, yeah, I'd take a linebacker with the 31. Yeah, well, the top guys, Trey Waynes, um, probably probably not going to be there when you pick. Uh, well, I guess I suppose it could be Jalen Collins. Is no, yeah, guy. I, go ahead. I think Trey Waynes is going to be gone. I think you're right. Now, if he's there, you know, yeah. you know, if he's there, I'd say take him. I doubt he will be, but but that's a hope. Um Dante Fowler, I'm sorry, that is his name, uh, as, as I think our number yeah. one pick out of Florida. That guy, that guy's ridiculous. And I think I was really impressed with him at Pro Day. I've been impressed with everything. I've read the few highlights I've seen from his, uh, the past season. And then, you know what, I haven't really, I'm going to be honest, I haven't super checked into what the heck are we going to do with pick 31 because I was so in shock yesterday. I think you still have to go <laughs> defense, though. Yeah, and there's certainly quality uh, quality linebackers there, and uh, some guys later, uh, 
Bryce Hager out of uh, Baylor is a, is a middle linebacker that I really like. Um, uh, as far as out, outside guys, Kyle Emanuel, even deeper in the draft there out of North Dakota State, I think he could produce there. And this, you know, there's a nice cluster of cornerbacks after that first round that I think are, you know, they could all potentially go in the second or third round. But there's there's some definitely some talent there. I I, I really like Steven Nelson out of Oregon State. I think he plays with a lot of a lot of veracity. So, uh, Nick, any any other thoughts or questions there for Cap? Well, now that Jimmy Graham's gone, do you think the Saints are happy with the tight ends that they have, or do you think they would uh, possibly go after one in, say, the third or fourth round or maybe in free agency? I wouldn't be – I would say maybe third or fourth round more than free agency uh, for the tight end. I think we do have Ben Watson and we do have Josh Hill – Ben Watson, I'm, I'm a fan of more as a, as a person than as an athlete. I, I'm not – he's a great athlete, I would say, though. He hasn't produced too much. Josh Hill, I think – I kind of like Josh Hill. He's no Jimmy Graham, but I think he could be developed now. That he, I think he'll probably step into number one tight end above Watson. And I think he could be a good go-to guy. I like his size. I like his speed. I, I think he could be – I think he could be really good. But I think more likely a third or fourth round draft pick. Uh, yeah, so you're looking possibly Clive Wolford. He might not be there past third. Uh, Jesse James out of Penn State. Um, Jeff Howerman seems like a, a decent option there out of Ohio State too. So there's certainly uh, certainly some options there, to, and it helps to have that extra pick. Uh, um, any 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 more any more thoughts there, Cat? Before we let you go. On the on the you know what pick thirty one I think you never considering with uh, what Loomis did yesterday I think you have no idea what the heck they're gonna pick there but hopefully it works out for us I have no I got to be honest no idea who they're gonna go for there okay uh, just a just a quick thought that popped into my head now that they have two number ones do you see them potentially trading up for for a player that they really like or that is that too far fetched? <laughs> That's actually funny. I was thinking there is a potentially there is a potential they'll try to trade one of those picks and somebody else to move even further up, and that actually wouldn't surprise me. I I think we might possibly see that trade being trade that pick being traded again. Okay, maybe they really really like the the Wayans kid out of Michigan State, and they feel like yeah. they need they need to go grab him. So. Exactly. I All think right. I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. Well, um, thank you for joining us, and and sorry we had to continue to talk about players that are no longer there, but uh, we yeah. we appreciate you nonetheless, and uh, hopefully hopefully we can have you come back on again uh, when when you actually get some players, maybe after the draft we can talk <laughs> about those guys. All right. That'd be great. Thank you so much. All right. Cool. Thank you, Chad, and have <laughs> a great day. Thanks. Uh, Bye. That was Cat Lash Williams from NFL Female. Uh, I felt like we phrased every question now that Jimmy Graham is gone. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, we should have had an Oakland Raiders guy in today, but anyway, yeah, I, I, we always appreciate those ladies over there at NFL Female. So uh, a hard, a hard time. I don't know if I would want to do a podcast after losing a player like that. So uh, appreciate her giving us some time. It's time to talk about my dynasty quarterbacks and of course talking about Sam Bradford and Nick Foles I have 
both of these guys on one team, along with Joe Flacco. It was a startup last year. I took fold in the fourth round, maybe even the third round. Um, took Bradford late. Could have took Garrett Carr, but I decided to take Bradford. Then, of course, he got hurt. Um, and actually, I took Flacco even later than that. I think Fl- the only other quarterbacks that were still on the board when I took Flacco were uh, Geno, Michael Smith, and EJ Manuel. So, uh, you know, if I didn't have Flacco last year, I probably would have had the first overall pick, which I probably wouldn't be complaining about right now, Nick. But uh, what uh, what are your thoughts here on the uh, basically the dynasty implications of Bradford, potentially the Philly starter, and Folds and St. Louis? Well, I have a hard time trusting Bradford. You know, I think Sanchez with a year in Chip Kelly's system probably would have a slight edge on Bradford, plus the fact that Sanchez has been able to stay healthy through his career where Bradford hasn't. Foles, I think, will probably end up being the starter for the full season as long as he stays healthy, though, in St. Louis. I would say I would prefer Foles over Bradford right now. Um, You know, I've heard also some conspiracy theories that Sam Bradford was – Acquired to be part of a trade up for Mariota, but I, I don't see that. I think the the fact that they gave up a second round pick next year, that pick I think would have been a lot more valuable than Sam Bradford in a potential trade up in the draft. The, the, that second rounder just blew my mind. If, if it had been Foles in a fourth for Bradford and a fifth, fine, but throwing in a second round pick isn't that a lot for a quarterback who hasn't stayed healthy really since his rookie year? Uh yeah, yeah, most definitely. I I don't know other than Mr. Crazy Chip Kelly, who seems to know what he's doing. You know, he hasn't lost a game yet, folks. Don't uh, uh, don't get, lay into him too hard. But, yeah, I just I didn't see any reason why anybody would trade for Bradford. Uh, he has actually played two full 16-game seasons. And uh, prior to him getting hurt in 2013, he was having a really good year. I remember writing about him as a waiver recommendation, thinking, wow, this guy's getting it together finally, you know, and then, of course, he tore his ACL or, or whatever whatever happened there. He seems to have run the gamut of, of injuries. But, uh, you know, one thing we've talked about with Chip Kelly is he likes to have that uh, guy that can run with his offense. And I don't see Sam Bradford, you know, with one torn knee being, able, being that mobile of a quarterback. Now, granted, he did play uh, a spread offense in college, so he's got that that somewhat of that experience there. Um, you know, and they still they're still going to need to find a running back. It's obviously they might have to uh, might have to draft one now. They did, I believe, re uh, re up uh, Chris Chris Polk. So you know, they had to start the season now. He would probably be their uh, their number one guy, but. Uh, a lot, a lot to figure out there in Philly, and I think we can all agree that uh, the, the moves by Chip Kelly are definitely not over. As he's got a lot of, a lot of time to do a lot of things there. So we'll see, we'll see how that works out. As far as Nick Foles and St. Louis goes, I just don't know about who he's going to throw the ball to. I mean, I got you know respect for Tavon Austin and Stedman Bailey and Brian Quick, but. And, you know, the fact that they haven't had a quarterback, you know, consistent quarterback throughout their career doesn't help their help their values at all. But I, I, I just don't see, you know, Foles going into a completely new system. They obviously have a, a running back now in, in Trey Mason. 
and they have some other options there too. But I think St. Louis, now that they have Foles, they need to use that number one pick on on one of these top five receivers. You know, Cooper and White are probably going to be gone. Um, if either one of those guys are there, they have to do that. Uh, but then, you know, we're looking Devontae Parker, Jalen Strong, uh, Doral Green, Beckham range. And I think, you know, if they were to get any one of those five guys, I think that would be huge for Foles' value. Um, and I just, I'm really not looking forward to making that decision. And I suppose I can keep both of these guys, but, uh, and, uh, and say a prayer, but, uh, Bradford just seems like a no brainer up until yesterday that I was going to, he's going to be one of the five cuts we have to make that I actually make. And I, uh, I just don't know now. So, uh, and geez, Harry Douglas in Tennessee, that doesn't, that doesn't help me at all either. But, uh, uh, yeah, we'll see, we'll see what's up. Um, you know, Bradford does have uh, Mark Sanchez there as a backup, and you know Chip Kelly did win a lot of a lot of games with Sanchez last year. I know they missed the playoffs, but they were still a still a ten win team. So, a uh, lot to lot to get through there. Aaron Aaron Freeman's going to be joining us from Felk fans here in about nine minutes, Nick. But why don't we move on to our uh, our dynasty dilemma? We are staying right in the division here with. Uh, with uh, excuse me, Devonte Freeman versus Charles Sims. Uh, I'm just gonna play some music here and catch my breath. You think it's a game? You think it's a game? a player in our dynasty dilemma you chose Charles Sims so Nick the floor is yours well you know I, I do like them both but I'll take Sims uh, you know yes as of today Freeman probably has an easier road to the quote unquote feature back role he's got less competition in town but I think Atlanta's going to bring in somebody else and you know last year Freeman couldn't be out the ancient Steven Jackson even though he was healthy so you know, Sims, on the other hand, was hurt last season pretty early, but he flashed some good signs of things to come. Uh, I, I like his size advantage, six feet compared to only five eight for Freeman. And plus, I think uh, with a rookie quarterback likely in Tampa, the Buccaneers should theoretically be relying on the ground game. While in Atlanta, it's all about Matt Ryan in the passing game. Uh, Doug Martin, if he comes back to Tampa, uh, he should be the number two behind Sims. Uh, remember, the current coach of Aaron Tampa Bay had no part in making the injury-prone Doug Martin a first-round pick. And, but to me, really, it, when it comes down to dynasty and fantasy in general, it's all about value. And, you, you know, Charles Sims is ranked the DFW running back 36, where Freeman's 24. So, you know, if you're telling me that in a startup league I can get Sims one, two, three rounds later than uh, the than Devontae Freeman. I'll take Sims every time. Okay. Well, Dante Freeman, five foot eight, two hundred and six pounds, former former Florida State Seminole, just a fourth round pick last year by the Falcons. After averaging five point six yards for carry in college, just three point eight last year as a rookie, only sixty five carries. So they didn't really give him much of a much of a chance to kind of establish himself. He did do his uh, best Jacquez Rogers impression by catching 30 of 37 targets out of the backfield. But why Why should you trust Freeman over Sims? The Falcons have purged every other running back on the roster. 
Antoine Smith gone. Jack Claire's gone. Steven Jackson gone. I, d- I think there's one more person, but obviously, as a dynasty nerd, we don't know who that is, so he's, I, we can't see him arising. But uh, so there's obviously some trust there. The Falcons, the Falcons have been linked to uh, the 2015 flavor of the year, Justin Forsett. But the Bucks, who still have Doug Martin and Sims, have actually been involved in rumors. Uh, involving DeMarco Murray, the league's leading rusher last year. Now, some of those rumors have died off, but I think that they're still maybe in the mix as other teams kind of bow out. So uh, so I think, you know, they're going to see a lot more opportunity, basically, out of Freeman this year in Atlanta. Um, it's clear that I trust him. He kind of fits that modern-day mold cast by the guys like LaDainia Thomas and Barry Sanders. The shorter guys, he's able to – he's able – his lack of height actually works to his advantage. He's able to keep his legs moving and his shoulders low. Only 65 carries last year, but I think that's going to be a drop in the bucket to what we're going to see from him this year. I think he's going to have a very long leash, and he plays with a lot of energy. He's not hes not quite Trey Mason, but I think those two could actually have similar careers as it, as it all works out there. So we've seen you know Trey be, be dominant in college and have some good moments last year, and I think Freeman – Given opportunity, can really can really make this offense work, and I and I really like actually like the fact that he's a smaller back. And all that being said, I absolutely love Charles Sims. I think he is was probably the best rushing receiving combination running back in uh, in the draft last year. And it's a darn shame that he broke he broke that ankle because I think we would have thought of seen a lot more from him last year. And they did they did just let Bobby Rainey walk. So we'll. Obviously, Sims is going to get some opportunity. The draft is still to be decided. This team or these guys come off. But uh, right now, this year, I'm taking Freeman. See how it goes. If you want, you can go to DynastyFootballWarehouse.com right now and vote on that. Hopefully, you vote on who made the best argument here today. But anyway, you can vote how you really feel, or you can vote on if you like Nick or me better, whatever you want to do. But just go to Dynasty Football Warehouse right now and vote on that so we can we can give you that answer next week. Um, next week we're also going to talk about the AFC South, um, uh, so make sure you check that out. Uh, we're going to have another draft, hopefully, too, and Carlos Taylor from Southern Connecticut State, uh, and then Julie Voigt of NFL Female is going to stop by to talk about the Indianapolis Colts. So make sure you check that out next week. Um, any any thoughts, Nick, on um, on what potential moves, some rumors that have surfaced over the, over the last, I don't know, thirty minutes since we've been going here? <laughs> any, any, or maybe have maybe not getting updates on your phone, but uh, any thoughts that maybe really intrigue you, or things that could still still happen? Um. Well, we talked about Ryan Matthews last week, and I said I didn't really trust him in San Diego. But, you know, now that he's in Philadelphia, I, I think Ryan Matthews could be in for a pretty good season there with that Chip Kelly offense. Uh, that's one thing that's really stood out to me as far as today's news. Yes. Uh, unfortunately, they have it's Sam Bradford and, and Matthews. Uh, the the potential of both of those guys playing all 16 games seems very very risky to me, but uh, you, you you never know. Maybe it's a it's a match made in heaven. Uh, did you happen to see the? Uh, it maybe hasn't been released, but do you know what what 
Philly's actually paying Matthews? Uh, it looks like it is a three-year, $11.5 million contract. Wow. That's that's very good for a guy with the amount of experience. So, you know, Chip Kelly doesn't want to spend a lot of money on one skilled position, and you got to applaud him for that. Um, he's uh, kind of doing things his own way, and uh, but, uh, you know, he's he's had some success. You know, if it, if it doesn't work out, you can certainly say that he didn't, you know, there's no – there's nobody going to say that he didn't try. I think a lot of Philly fans are kind of in shock by all of it right now. But uh, he's uh, he's getting it work. He's going to get, get do what he can to make it work. Um, any any thoughts on something that I mentioned months ago to you, Nick, about them potentially still trading up for Mariota, or do they have they have the quarterbacks there on their roster? Before the trade yesterday, I would have said, yeah, they're definitely going up for Mariota. Uh, now I think it's a slightly less chance, but I think if they can get a good deal, they would do it. I don't think they're gonna. I don't think they're gonna pull a uh, Washington and trade three first-round picks by any means uh, for a quarterback. <laughs> I, I think if they can get a good deal to move up, I think they'd do it. But it's it's not as sure a thing as it was considered to be a couple days ago. Yeah, and if I, I think if they. I wouldn't be surprised if Chip Kelly traded two number ones for to trade up for him, but uh, I I don't think it's going. To, I feel like if you're going to trade number one picks, it doesn't happen. You know, it doesn't happen during the draft. But I almost feel like they have to wait to make that move until the draft starts. You know, if Leonard, if it's you know, if if it goes Winston Leonard and then Leonard Williams to Tennessee, I think. Then they start. I think then that then that starts going because obviously Jacksonville's probably not going to draft a quarterback there. But if if Mariota makes it past Tennessee, I think the whole draft night's going to get a whole lot more interesting. So uh, I got uh, got Aaron Freeman from Falk fans here on the line. Hey, hey, how's it going, Aaron? It's going pretty good, man. Well, thank you so much for joining us, why, Aaron. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about? Uh, uh, Felt fans, obviously, it's a Atlanta Falcons website. By the way, just tell us about it and kind of what you do there. Yeah, it's a Falcons uh, fan site. I started a couple of years ago, just kind of as a hobby, just to, you know news about the Falcons. And uh, the last couple of years has grown a little bit. And uh, basically, it's you know analysis about uh, the Falcons and trying to you know educate our fan base a little bit better. Um, about, you know, some of the inner workings of the team and stuff like that. Okay. Well, I'm sure you probably had the pleasure to watch uh, Hard Knocks with the Falcons last summer. Uh, I I don't know. I think I think if I had if I, if I had a, a free Friday night and I can go out with some NFL players, I think if I could cruise with uh, uh, Roddy and Julio, I think I'd probably, probably have a pretty good time. Roddy White is uh, quite the character. Yeah, yeah, I think that would be a good choice. Yeah, those two guys, uh, you know, we we love them here in Atlanta. So it's, uh, you know, I think Hard Knocks was a, a great show uh, to sort of get some of the, you know, I guess uh, the Falcons out more to the public. They're, they've been kind of insular these last couple of years and, and show a, a lighter side of the team. 
Okay, well, obviously a lot a lot has changed there. You got a, you got a new head coach in place, and hopefully your, your defense is going to have have a nice identity going forward. But let's look at let's look at the offense first. Um, again, you're, it's Aaron Freeman, Feltfans dot com. You're on here listening to the Dynasty Pulse podcast presented by the Dynasty Football Warehouse with Nick and Josh. Uh, we're with Aaron Freeman of Feltfans dot com. Uh, Devontae Freeman. We just got done debating Freeman versus Charles Sims. Aaron, what? Is is Freeman ready to carry the load? That's the big question a lot of fantasy owners are thinking right now. I think if the if you're wondering should you you know use a I don't know second or third round pick on Devontae Freeman, thinking that he's going to get you um, production week in and week out, I don't necessarily think that's a good idea. But I do think he's one of those players that you know deeper in in the draft if you're drafting him. He could be a surprise player that you kind of plug in as your RB2, RB3, um, you know, for a couple of games throughout the season. I do think the Falcons are going to look at drafting a running back and probably go with more of a committee system, uh, similar to what we saw last year with Kyle Shanahan's office in Cleveland, where it was, you know, rotating between Ben Tate, uh, Terrence West, and um, Isaiah Crowell. And I do think the Falcons will, you know, mix in a lot of Freeman. He'll probably get at least a third, if not half the carries. But um, I'm not sure if he's going to be that main RB1 type of player. Okay, yeah. They, they used four guys last year there, Carlos Smith, Rogers, Jackson, and, and Freeman. Uh, the one thing that really stood out to me uh, with uh, Freeman is, yeah, he, he only had 65 carries, but 30 receptions, obviously, uh, you kind of filled that Jacquez Rogers role, what he's been giving them for the last, you know, handful of years or so. And, and I I like the fact that they were able to trust him that much, and he he produced there as a receiver. So I think, you know, if you're a PPR, uh, PPR guy, he's certainly worth, uh, worth uh, like Aaron said, they're kind of a mid, a mid to late round guy there. Um, Nick, any questions there for Aaron? Well, one thing that worried me about Freeman was the fact that Steven Jackson got so much more work last year than Freeman did. Uh, did you see much of a change in the offense when Freeman was uh, inserted in place of Jackson? I do think Freeman added a little bit more of a, a big play element than Jackson was capable of giving the Falcons. You know, Jackson at that point in his career is more like a three yards in the cloud of dust sort of running running back. Um Freeman, I wouldn't exactly, you know, put Freeman on that level with, you know, uh, Jamal Charles or anybody like that who's going to, you know, liable to take it 50 yards anytime he touches the ball. But he, I do think he's more capable of, of getting um, yardage in chunks, like, you know, getting 10, 15, 20-yard gains than um, Jackson was. But I, I do think it was, it was very telling about where the Falcons saw Freeman's development last year that, you know, Jackson overwhelmingly got most of the carries. And I do think, to Stephen Jackson's credit, he, did, he didn't get a lot of due. But I, I thought he played um, a lot better than, you know, people thought he did. You know, he was just kind of a, a grinder that could get those tough yards and add a, a yard or two um, every time he touched the ball. It, it only ended up, you know, leading to him getting four yards. Uh, maybe, but you know, it's just one of those situations where I, I do think um, he didn't he didn't get enough credit for his performance last year. Yeah, and you know, one thing I kind of watched a lot on the uh, on the excuse me the hard knocks is I think Jackson was actually good for those other running backs on that team, especially Freeman. You know, you saw him kind of take Freeman under under his wing and talk about 
the fact that the first time he ever touched the ball in a preseason game, he fumbled it and kind of shared that with him. And I, I, I think you're kind of right there on Freeman's development. I think he, they were maybe thinking he was a little, little further ahead of the curve, but this is a guy that was only really started one season at Fort State. So I think, uh, I think they kind of treated him, you know, softly that first year. I think I, Hoping he's ready to rock. I don't. I don't even own him on a dynasty team, but I'm, I'm excited about it. So, uh, uh, moving on, who who replaces Harry Douglas? Who's the number three guy? Well, I, I think you guys um, get the benefit of some uh, late breaking news. The uh, Falcons just signed um, Washington wide, Redskins wide receiver Leonard Hankerson um, within the last ten minutes. So um, he's probably the front runner right now to to be that guy. But more than likely, I do think the Falcons' plan is to draft somebody, you know, perhaps in maybe the third or fourth or fifth round to sort of be the developmental guy that they're they're looking maybe perhaps at um, finding somebody who can take over for Roddy White as the number two receiver uh, possibly as early as next year or maybe a year or two uh, after that. But uh, it, it seems like Roddy White is starting to slow down, and, and the Falcons had a really old wide receiver core last year outside of Julio Jones. Roddy White, Harry Douglas, Devin Hess were all on the, the wrong side of 30, and I do think their goal is to get a little bit younger. They just signed Hankerson. He's 26, and um, I think they're going to look for somebody in the draft. But for right now, it's probably going to be Hankerson. Okay. Uh, didn't see a lot of Hankerson in Washington uh Nick, any any thoughts there? Our, our resident Washington Redskins fan, Nick, any any thoughts? Can Hankerson replace what Douglas gave them? Well, it's going to be tough. You look at Leonard Hankerson; he's big, he's fast, uh, and he knows the offense. You know, the new offensive coordinator in Atlanta, Kyle Shanahan, was in Washington for a number of years, so he's familiar with the system. Uh, the knocks on Hankerson has been—he's uh, been a bit inconsistent with his hands and catching the ball, and he's also been a bit injury prone. So it'll, it'll be tough for him to provide the consistency I think that Harry Douglas did. Uh, but really, I'm more concerned in Atlanta in the passing game about the tight end. You know, they never really were able to replace the production Tony Gonzalez offered them uh, 650 to 900 yards every year from 2009 to 2014 with Tony Gonzalez. Do you see them pursuing a tight end either in free agency or the draft? Well, I think a lot of people were suspecting that uh, going after Jordan Cameron because he's familiar with the uh, Browns, uh, uh, the Kyle Shanahan offense from their shared time with the Browns last year. And it doesn't seem like the Falcons have shown a lot of interest in Cameron. Part of that may be because he's got a pretty scary concussion history. But outside of him or maybe Jermaine Gresham, who they haven't really shown a lot of interest in so far either, there aren't a whole lot of great, you know, sexy candidates that you can look at and say, oh, yeah, he, you know, he's a bona fide, solid starting tight end. Um, at this point, you know, if they don't get Cameron or, or Gresham, I think their plan might be to sign uh, a, a stopgap veteran on a cheap, maybe someone like Mercedes Lewis or, or James Casey, and, and hope for – you know, they can find somebody in the draft, maybe in the second or third round. Uh, yeah, good good points there. And I was I was really pounding the Falcons last year for not drafting a tight end. I really thought they needed needed to get one and they just really kind of seemed uh disinterested. But there there are some decent guys. I think if you want to get a, a if you want to get a tight end that you can build around this year though, you're gonna to have to draft him early and maybe maybe the Falcons have some some other needs there, but we'll we'll get to more uh, draft draft slots there later. Um, what who's now? Now you got a great defensive 
minds at head coach there and Dan Quinn Aaron. Who, who's going to be the, the big guy on this defense? Who's going to be the guy that's going to get those hundred tackles? Who's going to who who's the main guy that this, who's the most important guy I guess on this Falcons defense right now? Well, I, I don't know about getting a hundred tackles, but I do think you know the number one guy that you're going to look at is if someone's going to emerge as a star in this uh, Dan Quinn defense, it's going to be Desmond Trufant because he's basically going to be playing the same role that uh, Richard Sherman played in Seattle, and you know Trufant was far and away. Um, the Falcons' best defensive player last year. Um, you know, Falcon fans joked a lot that it was the defense consisted of Desmond Trufant and ten guys stealing money from the team last year. Um, so it, it's one of those things where I, I think Trufant really started to come into his own towards the second half of the season. He started getting interceptions and, and being that big-time playmaker that uh, people believe him to be. But if you're looking at someone maybe in the front seven, um, the Falcons are talking to Tennessee Titans defensive end Derek Morgan. Uh, he, he might be a guy that they sign within the next day or so. Um, but more than likely, they're going to be, you know, getting those playmakers in the draft. Uh, you know, first round, they're probably going to take a pass rusher. Whoever they end up getting, he's going to be someone that they're going to be counting on a lot to make plays this year. They might look at another linebacker in the draft. Um, they just signed two free agents in Brooks Reed and um, Justin Durant. But they could definitely use another uh, middle linebacker. Paul Warlow had a ton of tackles last year, but, um, you know, people joke that uh, a lot of them were downfield tackles, a lot of pile jumping. So, you know, he, he did well, you know, for fantasy stats, but it didn't really make a, a, a difference on, on the football field. So they, they still may look at upgrading that spot. Um, someone like uh, UCLA linebacker Eric Kendrick is a guy that, People have been linking to the Falcons just because the Falcons hired the former UCLA defensive coordinator Jeff Ulbrich as the new linebackers coach. So it makes perfect sense for um, them to slot Kendricks into that middle spot. Yeah, probably going to have to go first round, I think, if you want to, if you guys want Kendricks. Um, some other, some other issues there, I think, on the defense. You know, you lose free agents with uh, OC Witherspoon and and Croy Beerman. A lot of a lot of uh, a lot of edge guys gone. You see, um, I think Weatherspoon did sign somewhere else, but you can see them potentially bringing uh, uh, either Beerman or Umanor back there. No, I think I think those guys. Um, OC basically at the end of the season said he was going to retire um, just because of all the losing <laughs> that he's experienced in Atlanta the last two seasons uh, soured him. But then uh, after the season ended, he basically said, "No, I, I still got a little bit of a fire burning, but it's not going to happen in Atlanta. If he's going to if he's going to go somewhere, it's going to be somewhere else." Um, basically, uh, Beerman, there was a chance that the Falcons were going to bring Beerman back and, and be, have him be a, sort of a rotational player at linebacker and defensive end. But they essentially just signed uh, a younger version of Beerman by signing Brooks Reed from the Texans. Um, so I, I think both of those guys are not going to be playing for the Falcons next year. Okay. Uh, well, you know, minus the uh, reality star fame uh, with Beerman, I, I think he was actually a pretty – a pretty quality player there for Atlanta. You know, he didn't miss some time with some, with a really bad Achilles injury, but he's actually been a decent contributor. Now, uh, another decent contributor is that as, as a guy uh, that I really think Atlanta should, should let go. He is a free agent. I don't know if you've heard any thoughts on them bringing Robert McClain back. I really, I really like him. I know he's not a, a an every down player, maybe necessarily, but he's, he's made a lot of tackles there over the last couple of years. Yeah. I, I, I'm a fan of Robert McClain too. He had a, 
great 2012 season. He hasn't quite lived up to that um, the last two seasons. Um, but, you know, you can say that about pretty much anybody on the team based off of their record. Um, but it, it's one of those things where I think because Dan Quinn's defense, he's, he's bringing that sort of Seattle style, which prefers bigger cornerbacks, and Robert McLean is more of a 5'9", a maybe 5'9.5 sort of guy. Um, he's not really going to figure too much into their defensive lineup if he's brought back. But they have said that he, they're open to bringing him back. He'll probably be just a special team sort of guy, maybe as their fourth corner. And I think in that role, you know, you're not going to find a, a whole lot of fourth corners that are better than Robert McClain. But, you know, when you put him in that starting role as he had to play for the latter half of last season or as a nickel cornerback, he can get it a little exposed a little bit. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, as the free agency period is clearly underway, got to be, Got to be happy about Jimmy Graham leaving the division, but uh, <laughs> yeah. any yeah. any thoughts there on the uh, the Falcons' uh, free agency here, and the and the other thoughts on the draft maybe moving forward? Um, I think the Falcons, you know, last year they they went out and splurged to get to beef up their running game when everybody was screaming about them, you know, getting pass rush help. They didn't get that. Um, it looks like they've sort of reversed course, getting guys like Reed. Um, potentially getting a guy like Morgan, uh, and everybody pretty much assumes that they're going to draft somebody that's a pass rusher. So I think it's off to a, a much better start than it was last year. Um, but it, it's one of those things where, you know, none of their moves that they've made so far are, are world-changing moves. They're just kind of solid additions to try to get what was, you know, the league's worst defense to get at least to a competent level to the point where basically Matt Ryan and Julio Jones don't have to score 40 points a game just to win. Um, so I, I think the Falcons have made steps in that direction, and you know, getting Jimmy Graham out of the division is probably the biggest win Falcons of the offseason because um, he destroyed us the last five years. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know when we talked about the Falcons tight ends earlier too. Uh, I don't know if Falcons were ever in play for Jimmy Graham, but you just you just don't replace Tony Gonzalez. It's you got to realize any tight end that comes in there has got some pretty some pretty big shoes to fill, but uh, uh, Nick, any other questions there for Aaron? Uh, yeah, uh, last year he had a seventh round rookie in the secondary, uh, Ishmael, that was forced to start ten games due to injuries uh, elsewhere in the secondary. Uh, he ended up leading the team with four interceptions, second on the team with 66 tackles, and scored the only defensive touchdown for the Falcons last year. Do you think he's going to be a starter moving forward, or is he more of a depth guy? I think he's going to be more of a depth guy. I think what the Falcons are really trying to hope in Ishmael, um, they have a, a pretty good safety in William Moore, but he's, uh, I think he's about turning 30 um, in the next couple of months, which is, you know, similar to the running back position. 30 is like an old man for a safety. Uh, we've seen players like Troy Palomalo and, and Ed Reed sort of fall off a cliff at the age of 30, past the age of 30. Um, so I think the Falcons are a little wary about William Moore, who's had some injury issues. So I think their plan right now is to have Ishmael kind of be groomed as the the replacement for William Moore. And, you know, this year, if you know, with his experience that he gained last year, they feel pretty comfortable that if William Moore, again, can't stay healthy for a full season, which he's only done maybe once or twice in his NFL career, that they have a, a good backup in Ishmael that can step in and if he performs well, then I think you, you'll see him as a starter in 2016, but probably not the case in 2015. Okay. 
Well, any any other thoughts there on the on the, on the draft there? And uh, obviously, you want to focus focus defense there. But is there any other any other names out there that you would maybe like to see them grab maybe in the later rounds? Well, uh, you know, if, if I'm being honest, I'm, I'm I've been very partial to you know the Falcons getting a, a couple of playmakers on offense, not just going all in on defense. Um, a guy I really like is uh, Sammy Coates, the wide receiver out of Auburn. Um, you know, maybe it's just from watching Julio Jones the last couple of years, but I just enjoy seeing guys that are just bigger and faster than other human beings uh, catching passes from Matt Ryan. So, you know, if 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 I had my, my choice, the Falcons might, you know, try to snag him in the second round or, or sometime around then. But, uh, you know, I, I think the, basically the Falcons' goal uh, this offseason is to get better athletically, get you know faster, get more physical on both sides of the ball. So um, I'm, I'm looking forward to see what the rest of the offseason plays out. Yeah, Colts, Colts would certainly be a nice a nice guy, like you said, a kind of a Roddy White replacement, somebody to build around in the next couple of years, most definitely. So, well, again, it's Aaron Freeman from FalcFans.com. Aaron, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, great information there on your Falcons, and hopefully you can come back and join us again sometime. All right, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah. yeah thank you. Make sure you go to feltfans.com. Check that out. So you can also follow both our guests today, Aaron and Katz, uh, via Twitter. We'll have a write-up later on tonight on uh, DFW. You can just click right on their name and go right to their Twitter page if you want some information there about the Saints and the Falcons. So make sure you, uh, make sure you definitely check that out. Um, Nick, where are we at? Let's move on to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So what do you uh what do you got for us? We talked about Charles Sims already. Uh Doug Martin is still there, right? Is 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 Charles Sims ready to ball, Nick? What do you think? I think so. You know, he was a second round pick last year and like we said he was hurt early, but he finally looked healthy by the end of the season. In week seventeen he had a season high eighteen carries, sixty nine yards and a touchdown. And he I watched the tape on that. He looked better than those numbers indicate. He showed a really good burst and some good vision there. Um you know, I, I think I think Doug Martin, you know, he's missed 15 games over the last two years. He's only had two 100-yard games in those last two years and three touchdowns in that span. He's he's pretty much a bust, in my opinion. He, he hasn't done anything since his rookie year. So I think Sims should be the, the feature back there moving forward. Okay. Yeah, I think he certainly has the, the two-dimensional uh, aspect to him, and he can help the team out, you know, on the on third down too, and you know if he starts the year as maybe the third down back, and then when we know when eventually Doug Martin gets hurt, he can take over. That that might be what it takes for them to actually trust him. But uh, yeah, I I like him too. Um, Sims is a, a guy that I have on one of my dynasty teams, and, I, and I've been been all about him since uh, since pre draft last year. So hopefully we can see we can see him get get unleashed. Uh, they uh, didn't throw a lot to running backs there at uh, at Florida State. Obviously, this is, they're probably going to get Jameis Jameis Winston. That's the that's the maybe one thing everybody knows for sure with the draft right now. But uh, so we'll we'll see how that works out there. But I I think to answer the question, I think Sims is ready to ball. So uh, Robert Heron, Nick, just a burner out of out of Wyoming. Is he going to be in the mix? Obviously, the Vincent Jackson, Mike Evans are the top two guys. Can we? Is there any dynasty value at all there in Robert Harris? 
Well, I think anytime you're betting on a sixth-round pick with only six catches and 58 yards in his rookie year, it's probably not a really safe bet. But if Tampa Bay doesn't add a number three wide receiver in either free agency or the draft, I would like his potential. Uh, you look at last year, Lewis Murphy was the number three, uh, 31 catches, 380 yards, and two scores. And, but his best season was all the way back in 2010 when he had 41 catches, 600 yards, and two scores. So he's got pretty limited upside and has nowhere the speed of uh, Robert Heron. I really like Karen coming into the NFL, but considering the fact that last year Tampa Bay drafted three pass catchers, it's not surprising he didn't hit the ground running. The coaches probably were more focused on getting uh, the rookie starters, Mike Evans and Austin Safarian Jenkins, ready to go. So Heron might have been a little bit lost in the mix there in uh, training camp last year. So if they don't add anybody, I would really like his value moving forward. Yeah, you know, and he's a guy... Right now, if, if you if you like him or you know anything about him, he's gonna throw somebody a seventh round pick in, in the dynasty league. I I think he's worth the gamble. You know, maybe even like a fifth round. But because uh, Vincent Jackson's, you know, not not uh, not twenty five anymore. That's that's certainly the case. Uh, but uh, and with the fact that Evans is there and probably going to be there for a long time, you know, the, the number two certainly going to get some targets there. In uh, in Tampa. So uh, moving on, Austin Safarin Jenkins. You think he can be an elite tight end, Nick? We didn't see a whole lot from him last year, uh, but he did, he did he did have some decent uh, decent performances. Any thoughts there? Well, I mean, from a physical standpoint, the guy's a freak, 6'5", 262 pounds, and ran a 4'5", 640. Uh, and he's 100% healthy now. Last year, he only had 21 catches for just over 200 yards and two scores as a rookie. But remember, he was catching passes from Mike Glennon and uh, Josh McCown. They combined for only 3,600 yards, 21 touchdowns, and 20 interceptions with under 57% completions. So I think the team should be improved at quarterback, even with a rookie like Winston or possibly Mariota. And you know, you compare his numbers to some other rookie tight ends last year. Eric Ebron was a top 10 pick. He only had 25 catches, 248 yards, and one score. Jason Morrow, 38 catches, 345 yards, and two scores. None of these guys really hit the ground running like the like the receiver crop of last year. You know, it, as far as ranking those three guys, I'd probably go Ebron, then uh, Safarian Jenkins, and Amaro. But they're all really close together. I think any of those guys has a chance to be an elite tight end. Yeah, you know, Jenkins is just big. I, I don't know if he has a chance to be an, an elite guy, but, you know, he he could potentially be that guy in the next couple of years where we see him get, you know, 50, 60 receptions but score 10 to 12 touchdowns, you know, kind of what Julius Thomas did last year, last couple of years in Denver. I mean, obviously the touchdowns are going to help your fantasy team. And, uh they, they certainly have a lot to build around. And, and having, like I said earlier with Hare, and having Mike Evans on that same field can only help these guys get targets. So uh, it, it's kind of hard, even if you're not a Bucks fan, to be excited about kind of the young players they have on this team. I'm not a, I'm not a huge Winston fan, actually being a Florida State fan. I'm not, I'm not big on what he's going to do in the NFL, but there's certainly a lot of youth, and if they can kind of keep that, that nucleus together, they could potentially be a, a very solid team. Um, Let's shift over to the defensive side of the ball, Nick. Now, uh, you brought up a great point that uh, Gerald McCoy is DFW's number one ranked defensive tackle. Do you agree with that, Steve? 
Well, let's look at the 92 football warehouse's top defensive tackles. You got McCoy and then Marcel Darius, uh, Sanderic Marks, Kyle Williams, who could possibly be moving to defensive end with the switch to the 3 4 in Buffalo. Uh, Aaron Donald, Geno Atkins, Ndamukong Sue is the defensive tackle number seven. Uh, Sharif Floyd, Clinton McDonald, Ontario Poe. Going back to McCoy, he had 28 tackles, eight and a half sacks last year. And, you know, in one-year leagues, I think, yeah, he probably is the number one defensive tackle. But in dynasty formats, I'm not sure. You know, he's 27 years old. Uh, if the rookie quarterback struggles uh, um, this year, do they possibly fire head coach Lovey Smith and bring in a 3-4 guy? That would really hurt his value. So, um, you know, when I see the – when I see him ranked as, like, the – defensive lineman number 17 uh, but a much younger guy like Aaron Donald is a defensive lineman number 33 he had 37 sa- tackles and nine sacks as a rookie uh Nadamakan Sue defensive lineman number 42 he's still playing in the 4-3 uh you know even farther down guy like Sharif Floyd only 22 years old had 29 tackles last year it's, it's hard for me to take a defensive tackle as high as I would have to use a pick to get McCoy in a startup league I I'd prefer Personally, uh, especially in in leagues that don't require a defensive tackle, I would prefer a 3-4 end or a a 15-plus sack potential guy rather than a a guy like McCoy. Well, if your league requires a defensive tackle, obviously McCoy is going going to be one of your top options, and you would you would think nobody's going to draft a tight end till till excuse me that defensive tackle until. Until, you know, probably after round 15, I think I got Dominic and Sue in one, one mock, probably around 18 or 19. Um, you know, unless these guys get a bunch of sacks, they're not they're not going to be hot IDP commodities. But uh, if, I, if I agree with that statement, I guess I probably do right now. But like you said, you know, if I can, you know, if I can get Aaron Donald a round or two later, I think I'd probably do that because you know, if you're if you're building for the future, if you think you like the rest of your your IDP squad, you think you've got a pretty solid offense, and you haven't addressed that position in your draft yet, and you think you can win now, certainly certainly go with McCoy. There, they 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 uh, they, they have a lot of defensive talent on that Tampa team, and. Uh, Hopefully, with a, a better offense, they're going to be able to to really show that there. So, um, any thoughts here, Nick, on the Tampa the Tampa draft and the free agency period? Well, they're in a pretty good situation. I think uh, heading into the free agency, they were only at about $113 million as far as their cap numbers. So they've got some room to work with, and they only had one outgoing free agent that played over 500 snaps last year, the linebacker Mason Foster, other than, of course, Josh McCown, who's gone. Uh, Their needs, obviously, they're taking a quarterback, number one. Uh, The defensive line, other than McCoy, I think they could use uh, some some pass rushers in there. Uh, You know, the the number – they didn't have a lot of big sack guys, but those numbers could have been uh, skewed a bit just because they were playing from behind a lot of last year, being a two-win team. Uh, I also think they could use uh, another offensive lineman or two to protect the new quarterback, along with a wide receiver to possibly compete with Robert Heron for the number three job. Yeah, you know, see what happens with uh, – I don't think – I. Would not be surprised if, if if Vincent Jackson is not on this roster at the start of the year next year. So we'll we'll see what happens there. Obviously, they're going to have to have a fallback plan there if that does happen. Um, they're going to take Winston first overall. While I don't agree with that, they, that's probably what they're going to do. You know, they could shock the world and take Mariota because I think he's the better quarterback. 
that's all I'm going to say about that. Um, as far as other other needs, you know, with the frailty of Doug Martin and Bobby Rainey being gone, adding a, adding a, a running back late to challenge our boy Sims might not be a bad idea. A guy like a guy like Mike Davis or uh, John Crockett um, out of South Carolina and North Dakota State, uh, respectively. There, that's an option. Uh, you know, as much as we talked about Heron, as much as I like him, they they need to have you know another guy, even though they drafted three three pass catchers, as you said last year. They need to have somebody else that's coming up and coming. Um, Justin Hardy, the burner out of East Carolina, is a guy that I really liked. I think Atlanta, Tampa, and maybe Carolina should certainly consider that guy late. Um, they have a young, you know, if they if they go Winston, they got Glennon as, as potentially the backup. I, I, I can't agree with any of the rumors about Glennon being moved. He'll probably get moved, you know, an hour after this podcast. Now that I said that, but I think you got you got to you got to keep him around just because you need to have depth. That he does does have experience, albeit a little bit of experience. Um, as far as you know, free agency, they they did re up Danny Lanasana, who's if you if you don't know anything about that guy, uh, Google him. He's had quite the quite the path to Tampa, and he finally got a chance to play last year, and was uh, was quite a was quite an asset for them. Uh, obviously, Levante David on the other side helps. Um, Mason Foster is not a great player, but he's a great middle linebacker that stays home. And if uh, if they could keep him there, I think that would be. That would be big for them, but uh, they don't seem to be that interested. And like I said earlier, in just about every team in this league could use at least one offensive lineman. So I think they're going to go. They should maybe go that route in the middle rounds. Um, let's uh, let's move on there, Nick, to um, a little something that we like to call Nick Rants, it's where I give my co-host Nick the floor to kind of rant about something that's bothering him, and uh, if the uh, uh, Oh, where we're at at this point in time. Uh, let's let's just see what Uncle Rico has to say first. How much you want to make a bet I can throw a football over the mountains? <laughs> uh, every time that gets a giggle out of Nick. Anyway. Uh, okay, one more. Hold on. Back in 82, I used to be able to throw a pigskin a quarter mile. Are you serious? I'm dead serious. <laughs> the swagger in his voice when he says, back in 82? <laughs> uh, that's a good one. But anyway, it's time to rant, buddy. What do you got for us? All right. Well, I'll try to be brief this week, as I believe this is uh, a subject with little to no consequences. But what, what's the deal, really, with this recent uh, three-day legal tampering period? You know, my understanding was the teams could talk with impending free agents but not finalize numbers on a contract. Then it seemed like every single team had agreed to sign a player within, like, 24 hours of that period and with numbers announced and everything. Uh, the NFL says they'll investigate, but, you know, if all 32 teams were involved, what, they're going to take away every team's first-round pick? So then the second round becomes the first round. That's no punishment. Uh, you know, or, you know, what are they going to do? Uh, you know, punish teams for, you know, finding a loophole in the role, in the rules, you know, and then change the rules. I, I, I just don't understand. We, we've seen, we've seen the NFL punish teams that violated unwritten rules before, like in 2010 when they, there was no salary cap, but, you know, for some reason Dallas and Washington violated the no salary cap. So we could see some punishments, but 
I don't think there's going to be anything coming from this. Personally, I enjoyed this time. You know, I think they should extend it to a full week. We saw Frank Gore agree to be an Eagle, and then Jeremy Macklin left. He didn't like the situation as much, so he decided to to go to uh, Indianapolis instead. I, I think that gives players more of a feel for what kind of situation they're going to get into. I, I like this one-week, uh, you know, kind of informal agreement period. Uh, what, what, do you, what did you think about it? Um, yeah, I'm still a little shocked that the Sioux deal hasn't been finalized. So uh, I guess I guess we'll see what eventually happens there. But, uh, yeah, it's it's a weird a weird thing, and I mean, I, it's not like this never happens, you know. <laughs> it just kind of caught me by surprise, but uh, uh, yeah, it's not like this never happens at all. So we'll we'll see here. Um, well, uh, let's move on here, Nick, to questions from the forum. Do you have those there in front of you? Um, I believe so, in shorthand, anyway. Okay, can you maybe maybe hit hit the first one here? I'm gonna. I think Isaiah is gonna be joining us. I just want to send him a text. You want to read the first question there from the forum? Okay, uh, somebody has uh, Lashawn McCoy, and apparently it was offered Jamal Charles and Christine Michael in exchange for his McCoy trade. Uh, what did you think about that one? I'm sorry. Could you say that one more time? Uh, someone owns Lashawn McCoy and was offered Jamal Charles and and Christine Michael for McCoy. Um, I, I think I would I'd like that. Um, you're getting, uh, you know, I don't know. I think Michael's value does take a little bit of hit with the re-signing of, uh, of, uh, excuse me, of Marshawn Lynch. But, uh, I think you're getting certainly younger there and you're not getting the guy that's had the, had the bad knee like Charles is. Obviously he's gotten past that. Uh, what, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I would definitely take this trade. I, I think that, uh, you know, I'd almost go straight up. I would prefer uh, Charles over McCoy, and plus you're getting Michael on top of that. I think that's a no, no-brainer. you got to accept that trade. Yeah, yeah, most uh, most definitely there. Uh, can you do the next question and then maybe answer it yourself here via text uh, Isaiah? Uh, sure. Uh, I was wondering if Derek Carr is worth a 2016 first-round pick. Uh, I think that all depends. You know, if you're a repeating champion and say you have Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers, somebody like that, and you think that your 2016 pick is going to be later on in the draft, then sure, I would definitely take that trade, and hopefully Derek Carr can provide depth now and possibly be your starter uh, in, say, 2016 or 20. 17, something like that. Uh, but if your team missed the playoffs last year, and if you're thinking that they, they, their car can take you over the hump, I would definitely hold out. Try to get a try to get a car or Bridgewater or Bortles for say a second or a third. I have some, something better, a better value than a first round pick. Yeah, I I like that. Your thoughts there too. Um, I, I I don't know. I feel like you're maybe a better a better person to talk about the car. I mean, granted, you are a dynasty owner. So you have that invested, but I, I just, I absolutely love, love him and, and, and happy that he is the Raiders quarterback, happy that we actually have a quarterback now. So uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll see how that, uh, we'll see how that works out there. Um, uh, moving on, uh, what, what do you got there for the, uh, 
I don't think people can call it anymore. Okay. Um, I'm going to have to text Isaiah after this. But anyway, let's move on to the Panthers there, Nick. What are, what are your thoughts there on uh, on, uh, Car- on Carolina here? What's, uh, are we trusting Jay Stu um, to be the running back number one? I, I, I continue to be surprised where this guy is going in, uh, in drafts and mock drafts already. But, uh, uh, you know, he's a former Oregon Duck, so maybe Chip Kelly wants to trade for him. What are your thoughts there? Uh, Well, I personally don't trust Jonathan Stewart. He's 28 years old, uh, going into his eighth season. He's missed 20 games over the last three years. 2009 was his only season over 1,000 yards. He had 10 touchdowns in 2008 and 2009, but hasn't scored over five touchdowns in a season since. And, yeah, I know he's split time with uh, D'Angelo Williams over the years. If a guy can't stay healthy in part-time work, how can he be trusted to be the full-time guy? Uh, The one thing he does have going for him is that last year he had his best season rushing since 2009. He had 175 carries for 800 yards and three touchdowns in 13 games and eight starts. So he did look better last year than he has in the past, but still it's really hard to trust him. Yeah, most definitely, most definitely. Um, I, yeah, this team needs to draft the way back. We'll get to that later. Uh, they have some other pieces that they need to, but, uh, yeah, I just, I don't know why they continue to continue to do this. It seems like they've had a two headed monster since the, the days of Deshaun Foster and Steven Davis. Steven Davis is probably the last, you know, real number one running back, but, uh, oh, it's just, it's frustrating that they don't do that. I'm not even a fan of theirs, but anyway, um, uh, what do you think Kel- is Kelvin Benjamin's co-pilot for 2015 on the roster now? What do you think? Uh, I kind of doubt it. You know, last year Jericho Cotchery was second among the wide receivers in Carolina, 48 catches for 580 yards, but he's going to be 33 years old. Uh, they also have uh, Corey Philly Brown, who uh, caught 21 catches for almost 300 yards and two touchdowns. He's a 5'11", 180-pound undrafted rookie from Ohio State last year. He could be a borderline, like, number three, number four wide receiver on the Carolina Jet chart, and he's a decent return man, too, but uh, asking him to be the number two is probably asking too much. I hope for Cam Newton's sake they do find outside help. I know they did sign Ted Ginn, but he's never been a true number two guy, and uh, he'll probably take the return job away from Philly, uh, Philly Brown, too. But I think they still need to go out and find a real legitimate number two wide receiver. Yeah, um, there there is guys available in this draft. I think this is a good draft class. I don't, I don't know if it's as good as last year. We don't know that yet, but there is guys available late. So uh, they certainly need to do that. They did bring uh, Ted Ginn back, so I'm pretty sure of that. So um, I don't think it's going to be him, though. They should have maybe made a, made a better play there to keep uh, Brandon LaFell in there. But uh, they do have Greg Olson and uh, and Benjamin, so there's certainly something to build around there. I know Olson's not the youngest anymore, but they have, they have talent there. So um, uh, moving on. What do we think there about uh, obviously Luke Kegley being the man, but is there another IDP option on this defense that we should be really concerned with? 
Well, you look at Greg Hardy's expected to be gone. Uh, the 31-year-old Thomas Davis was the second-leading tackler on the team last year uh, with 77 tackles, and he's only missed two games over the last three years, so it seems like his injury problems are behind him now. Um, and you also look, they have a 32-year-old safety, Roman Harper, with 41 tackles and four interceptions. He can provide decent IDP depth, I think. Uh, the defensive end number 20 ranked, uh, as far as DFW is concerned, Charles Johnson, he's probably your best option. Eight and a half sacks last year. Down from uh, from 11 sacks in 2013 and a career-high 12 and a half sacks in 2012, he's only going to be 29 this year, so I think he's probably your best bet. And also should be on the radar, a guy is uh, uh, Coney Ely. He had a quiet rookie season, only four sacks and nine tackles, but he was a second-rounder last year. I think he'll likely be given a chance to, to earn the starting job there. Uh, yeah, Hardy's definitely out there. So I like the Ely pick, though. We might, uh, we might see some some decent things there from him. Um, yeah, the, the rest of this defense seems to be old, uh, but uh, a <laughs> few things for certain. Uh, Keegley is the man, probably the number two IDP option behind J.J. Watt right now. So um, I don't think J.J. Watt's going to score a bunch of touchdowns next year either. No, he probably will, but uh, he still hasn't thrown a touchdown pass. So I don't know what the hell he's doing, but uh, maybe Keegley can beat him to the punch. But anyway, um, any thoughts there, Nick, on the draft or free agency period for this team here? Well, they don't have a lot of cap room. Uh, they can really uh, they could cut Mike Tolbert, and that would save him about two and a half million. But there's not a whole lot else they can do other than restructure some contracts. Right now, Charles Johnson's cap number is twenty million. Camp Newton, uh, fourteen point six million. Ryan Khalil and Thomas Davis each are about 10 to 12 million. So maybe they could restructure some of those contracts. Uh, as far as outgoing free agents, uh, Greg Hardy, D'Angelo Williams, uh, one of their safeties, Thomas DeCoud, and uh, one of their off- starting offensive linemen, the tackle, Byron Bell, was out the door. As far as needs, I think their biggest need is uh, finding a wide receiver, number two. And they also could uh, use a, another defensive end to come and compete with Coney Ely, possibly. And then a dependable running back, like we talked about before. And like you said earlier, in the show, every team needs more offensive linemen. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. I don't know if they go. I don't think they have to go wide receiver early in this draft. I think there's somebody out there because they have the wide receiver one there in Benjamin. Again, I'm going to bring up Justin Hardy. Um, DeAndre Smelter is a guy that's been getting a lot of love in some mock drafts out of Georgia Tech. I'd like him too. Um, so I don't think they have to do that. Maybe second round. Um, you know their secondary is 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 old, and they didn't seem to. They tried to address it last off season, but they didn't really seem to. It didn't really seem to to work in their favor. Obviously, this whole division had some issues last year, but uh, running back again, you don't have to do that early. So if they think they have a, a nice talented player there, if they need to want to go number one. You know, number one on their board at that point in time in the first round, I think they can, but. Uh, uh, there, there's running backs, you know, second or third round that, that, that'll be available. Jeremy Langford is another guy I really like. Maybe a third or fourth round option there for them. Um, offensive line, yes, they could use offensive lines just like everybody else. Um, I like the idea of them bringing in the pass rusher, um, even if it's even if it's an outside linebacker. They, I can't believe Charles Johnson's get twenty million dollars against their cap, so they. You know, if they can get, you know, uh, somebody to go behind him or someone, like you said, that compete with Eli, that can eventually, you know, take over their uh, – they 
they certainly need to do that. So this is one team that I would love to I love to draft for because I have some pretty good general ideas of what I think they need. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think this is a great quarterback class, but if they, you know, if they want to go with a guy like uh, Garrett Grayson or uh, Sean Manning really late in this draft, since their backup quarterback is Derek Anderson and he's, you know, obviously not very young. I know, I know Cam is not uh, not old, but he certainly isn't getting any uh, younger there. So if they, you know, if they want a, kind of a reclamation project to get behind Cam there, uh, they certainly have options there late. So um, yeah, most definitely. I couldn't get Isaiah on today, uh, but uh, hopefully we can have him join join us here a few a few a few weeks later, or possibly next week. Uh, make sure you check it out next week as we have draft hope for Carliff Taylor from the South. Connecticut State, the South Connecticut State University Owls. So make sure you check that out. Uh, then Julie Voigt from NFL Female is going to be coming on to talk about the Colts as we address all the teams in the AFC South. Any closing thoughts there, Nick? Um, just one guy I'm not sure if we hit on, uh, Shane Vereen signing with the Giants. Uh, kind of gives you a feeling that's going to be a three-headed monster as far as a running back by committee there in New York with uh, Vereen and uh, Jennings and uh, Williams. Yes, if you were hopeful that Vereen was going to get an uptick in value. Um, sorry. So I guess that's all we're going to say. And uh, I thought we could maybe maybe do something that I like to fall back every now and again on. Uh, just to kind of end the show, and it always it always makes me feel good. It's kind of weird that it makes me feel good, but it's something that we haven't played in this version of our podcast yet, Nick. But I found it again, and I know you're going to like it. I'm going to do this. I'm going to get out of here. See you next week. I love Cat Williams. Thank you for joining us, Cat Lash Williams, NFL female. Sorry again about all the Jimmy Graham questions. Aaron Freeman from FalcFans.com. Both amazing guests and both gave us great information. So we're going to do this and we're going to bounce. There is no entire game. We didn't let the team go because we were sprinting our balls. what you are in this world. That's either one or two things. Either you're somebody or you're nobody. sugarcoat it. This is the longest cold flu and allergy season we've ever seen, but we're not alone. We've got Instacart. Sure, you may be a coughing snot faucet who just wants mommy, but you're not giving up! Not when cold medicine, fragrant herbal teas, and honey shaped like bears can be delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. Now let's go win the sick playoffs! Daddy, I just want my soup. Oh, sorry, Sport App says it'll be here in, in a few minutes. Hm. Instacart for the win. 
Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.